Welcome to Popaholics, the show where a dad and daughter dish on pop culture. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Dad, I just realized that you're in Michigan. <laughs> yes, I am <laughs> in Michigan. Me until now to be like, where is he? Um, <laughs> That's really weird uh, paneling behind him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Michigan, where right now it's 62 degrees outside and cold and wet. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, because wow. <laughs> it's been it's been wet, but it has not been 62 degrees down here. <laughs> <laughs> Ton of water in the meadow. Anyway, let's see, where were we? Oh, yeah, the show. So Kate and I both saw a huge phenomenon that's going on right now. So I will let Kate start. Go ahead, Kate. I finally got the chance to see Barbie this weekend. And I feel like I feel like probably our listeners have seen it because it's been such a big deal. But maybe I'm wrong. So if you if you don't know, if you don't care, if you're not a Barbie fan, listen up. <laughs> and if you're so, and if you're some of our listeners in foreign countries, it may not be there yet. So true. That's true. Yeah. So Barbie is directed by Greta Gerwig, who um, is an actress herself. She directed Little Women, and she's been in a couple. Not Lady a couple, Bird, a great been. movie. Lady Bird. She's kind of an indie darling, I would say. Yeah. So she and her partner Noah Baumbach wrote Barbie and she directed it. So how would I explain this? I would say the movie opens, it gives you a little um, spiel about there's Barbie land and then there's the real world. And so all of the, you know, Barbies in Barbie land are perfect. Everything's great. Dr. Barbie. All the houses are, all the houses are cut away. Just like, you know, all the houses are cut away. Just like, yeah, just like the dream houses. It's perfect. It's amazing. And so the main thing about Barbie land is it's for Barbies, right? So Ken's there, but the story's not really about him. He's there for Barbie. So right away, Ken, who is played wonderfully by Ryan Gosling, um, steals the show several times. Yes. Um, he is going through kind of an existential crisis himself where he's like, what, you know, what am I here for? Why, why isn't everything about me? Well, and also it's really more about why won't she, why won't she be the way I care for her? And so meanwhile, the star of the show, Barbie, she's Margot Robbie played by Margot Robbie. She starts noticing like, Oh, she's thinking kind of weird, heavy things. Like they're at a party. And everyone's dancing, all the Barbies are dancing. And this is the part in the trailer that you all have seen where everyone's excited and happy. And she's like, do you all ever think about dying? Um, (laughs) A couple other things happen. She finds out she has to go to the real world to fix the things that are happening in Barbie land. And the story goes from there. So I would say if you know your Joseph Campbell, this is the classic hero's journey of folklore. Uh, built mm-hmm. around two plastic dolls, except it's so much more. Barbie is an amazing, ambitious movie. Exactly. Y- yeah. That's <laughs> you want me uh, to talk a little bit? I can. You can. So I saw it on Sunday night. It's been out for a couple of weeks now. I saw it on Sunday night and it was still like, theater was still packed. Everyone was laughing out loud. There was a woman behind me specifically that like, she had the most perfect laugh. Every joke, she like couldn't hold it back. And just this explosion of laughter uh, <laughs> happened behind me, which we were all laughing. But like it was it's been a long time since I've been to the movies and had that 
or been to a movie where everyone is kind of having the same experience and like visceral reaction, which was that like, that was so fun. Cause yeah. you know, we talked about how usually I just wait until things are streaming and I'm glad that I did not on this one. Cause that was part of the whole thing. It was really fun. I would say Barbie is a pretty complex movie because Oh yeah. It, and it has something. One reason people are enjoying it so much is it has something for everybody. Everybody. It celebrates Barbie while at the same time noting all the problems with her, like her dimensions, giving little girls unrealistic body expectations. It makes fun of Mattel and some of the company's um, weird toy decisions over the years, while at the same time, this is a huge marketing juggernaut for Mattel. Like Kate said, the movie is very funny, and uh, Ryan Gosling repeatedly almost steals the show as Ken. It manages to explore male-female relationships and includes a ballet, for goodness sake, that would not be out of place in a Gene Kelly movie. Gorgeous. It was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, I don't want to feel like I'm giving a lot away. So I just want to say it's not really about a doll at all. It's about something. Yeah. It's, it's about, like you said, male and female relationships. It's about feminism. And of course, it's funny because there's tons of dudes that are mad that Margot Robbie is, you know, not playing a typical like vixen that she has in the past. So there's been like a ton of online, you know, flack from these guys that like don't understand that she's not there. She she doesn't just exist for you. For you. And you're mad yeah. that yeah, and you're mad that Ryan Gosling is taking that place and instead of being like, "Oh, huh. Wait, Hmm, and learning something, you're just like mad, like you don't get it, which is, I wish I could say it was surprising, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly about, uh, a lot of movies about expectations, both the expectations men have about women, but mainly the expectations women have about themselves. Yeah, it's definitely 10 out of 10, I think, from both of us, right? Yeah, highly I'm, recommended. My son hasn't seen it, and I was talking to him last night about, because he he was with his dad over the weekend. So we were talking about, you know, Oh, what'd you do? And I told him about it. Of course he, because he's still little, he was like, Oh, that's a Barbie movie. That's not for me. Oh, Mm. I don't want to see it. But so we were talking about it and he asked me, you know, he could tell that I really enjoyed it and that I, he wanted to know the funny parts. And I was like, and we'd never do this because it's so expensive to go to the movies nowadays. But I was like, if you want to go, if you want to go, let's go. I'll, I'll take you. Come on. Let's I'll go. take you to Barbie. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he kind of went, because, ah, you know, he's still more interested in like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Mario movie and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I definitely am going to make him watch it at least once and probably soon, just because I feel like, you know, he can learn something. And as Barbie. we're recording this, the movie's crossed the billion-dollar mark, first time for a female director. Uh, it's one of the top 50 grossing movies ever. So good on you, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah, good job, Greta. We love you, Greta. Kate has also seen the other side of the spectrum. We go from Barbie yes. to a very different movie. To Oppenheimer. So for those that don't know, there was an internet trend, or is an internet trend, because these two movies came out on the same day, 
Oppenheimer and Barbie, people on the internet would be like, oh, you know what's funny? We should do Barbenheimer and we'll spend the whole day in the theater, go see Barbie first and with Oppenheimer. And so it was a huge thing. <laughs> and did you know on the same saw, weekend? No, the person that I saw both movies with was like, oh, maybe we should do that. And I was like, first of all, I'm old. I don't want to spend the whole day at the movie theater. Because Oppenheimer is very long. Yeah, three hours. Like, to be, you know, yeah, do I binge, you know, shows and stuff at home? Yes, I do. But being at the movies is a different experience. So I was like, mm, I don't know. And also, I don't want to end on Oppenheimer. Because you, you can tell it's going to, you know, it's a serious movie. Um, and I don't want to be like spiraling about a uh, nuclear war for yeah. the rest of my <laughs> as soon as I walk out of the theater so we went and saw Oppenheimer first and again you guys you might have heard of it maybe you haven't it is a Christopher Nolan directed biographical thriller based on the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer who is often called the father of the atomic bomb it is J. Robert Oppenheimer um <laughs> I had to look at my notes. So, uh, beloved, my beloved Killian Murphy stars as Oppenheimer, star-studded cast, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Kenneth Branagh shows up for like five minutes. Tons of people in this movie. The whole thing, it does jump back and forth in time, but the main focus of the movie is his time leading the Manhattan Project during World War II and creating the atomic bombs that the U.S. dropped on Japan, which essentially ended World War II. But created a whole raft of other problems, obviously. Exactly. So that's, I would say that's the main point of the movie is that, you know, you you kind of get a very cool visual experience of like what, at least what Christopher Nolan thinks that it would have been like in Oppenheimer's brain there's some beautiful segments of I would say like chemical reactions set with the score and it's just like if you are I thought it was a really interesting way to make people or attempt to have people kind of empathize with what's going on they can't see me with what's going on in he's making hand uh, things over the top of her head it's like I'm kind of massaging my head but also not um (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I love that. Of course, it's, it's wonderfully acted by everyone. I did have some issues with it though. Number one, I felt like there was a a lot of information that we didn't really need. Like, of course, you know, it kind of starts out when he's young, he's in university, the journey to where he ends up leading the Manhattan Project and it's included based on part of the plot because he was questioned kind of not technically not really investigated, but also kind of investigated during the early fifties and the, uh, the red scare and his, his politics are questionable to several people in the United States. So with that, they have to, you know, kind of set up like, Oh, this is how he grew up. This is his family. La 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 la. But also like, it felt like a lot. I don't need to know a ton of backstory. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah. I think he was trying to show, I think it wasn't he trying to show that you have this guy who has made this great achievement 
but then it, he yeah. sort of had this downfall, right? Yeah, and yeah, and there was a focus on like, well, actually, he, you know, he wasn't like a saint; he was a human. He made mistakes, like that kind of stuff. Which, yeah, it, we get it, we get it. But it, it just felt like it could have been pared. That part essentially could have been pared down a little bit. He had a very complicated relationship with his wife. He had a whole mistress. Uh, and there was, you know, there was some serious stuff going on there. So I understand why it was included. But also the movie is so long that part of me was like, well, I don't, you know, we don't really need to know this part. Because I think that, you know, the cast and Christopher Nolan do do a, they're, they're making the point throughout the whole movie about how complicated he was and, you know, right. and how this achievement changed the world for better or for worse. So we, we could afford to cut a little bit of the, of the, I don't want to call it filler, but that's yeah. basically what I thought of as filler. Well, let me, um, let me step in here because, I mean, my wife and I have talked several times about seeing this movie, but yeah. um, A, it seems depressing. B, it seems long. Yeah. Uh, C, it feels like we, you know, we come out of there seriously down. I mean, we literally walked out of Barbie and uh, on the sidewalk met this older couple that might be in their 80s. And the lady goes, oh, did you see that movie about the bomb? And we said, oh, no, we saw Barbie. And she goes, well, you know, we've talked about that movie, about the bomb, but it just seems so depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, you know, and that is also kind of part of the point is to make us all think, especially now with, you know, Russia and China just seemingly ready to take us all out. And why do they have that technology? A big part of it is because of all of the achievements, not just from Oppenheimer, but from German physicists that were working at the same time and Russians that were working at the same time. And so there is part, I think it's, I think it's Kenneth Branagh's character in the movie who he plays um, Nils, Nils Bohr, mm -hmm. who was another very noted, you know, scientific mind where he says something about how you you gave us the power to destroy ourselves. And of course, because humans are, we do great things, but we also do really, really dumb, awful, horrible things. A big part of, you know, the point of it was like, oh, now, now look where we are. You know, oh, this is supposed to end war. Right. Period, full stop. And it didn't. It just, you know, yes, it ended World War II, but we're still fighting. We're still, you know, doing horrible things to each other. And whoops. <laughs> Weirdly, I just read um, an old novel by Robert Harris V2, which is uh, about the, um, the V2 missiles that created, they would come blow up parts of London, kill people right yeah. during World War II. And the, that follows two different characters. One, a German scientist who's involved in the V2 program. And then this English woman who helps figure out a way to, to figure out where these, uh, where they're firing these missiles from. He's, these two are fictional characters, but then like Werner Braun Braun, uh, some of the other folks that are involved in the V2 program and were working for the Germans at that point, 
they really, according to this book, they really sort of only agreed to do this because they wanted to do the space thing, send people up into space, right? But yeah. to get sort of like money to right. you have and all to, that, they had to do this missile yeah. destruction. So it's a it's a, a great book. And I never realized what a, what a huge waste the V2 program was. I mean, they they used all the slave labor. It seems like there are thousands and thousands of of um, like Jewish and gypsy slaves that died during this whole program. And then they killed, I don't know, some a few hundred uh, people in London. But the main thing was they wiped out a bunch of the housing stock. So then there was there was house, housing shortage after World War II. Uh, and I'm rambling. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great book. It's called V2 by Robert Harris. Yeah, I think it's just to sum up, I think it, yes, it is depressing. I think we've, we've both kind of said before, at least to me, it is important for me to read books or watch movies that are from a different perspective and just make me think. And, you know, it's important to know the history because, because what did we cover in school? Oh, this man invented the bomb that ended World War II. Right. Go America. Um, And not, you know barely anything about all of the people that died horrible, horrible deaths in Japan because of his great achievement. So I think it's important. I'm glad I saw it. I would not go see it again. <laughs> we had a interesting um, thing on our uh, Popaholics Facebook page that talked about how Christopher Nolan filmed the testing of the bomb, that sequence which they use gasoline and all this stuff. And it's still, it's pretty amazing if you go back and look at that. I think it's, there is a clip on YouTube. You could probably Google about Christopher Nolan. Did Christopher Nolan actually use a bomb, you know, in uh, <laughs> uh, recommended, highly recommended. Um, I would, I would give it, I'm going to say a seven out of 10 because I do. I, again, I do think it's, um, it's important to, could you read a book, a nonfiction book? Yes. Um, if you like movies and you like, you know, history-based movies, I think that it would be good for you to see. But I think you also have to be in the right headspace. Like, I'm so glad that we didn't do Barbenheimer, start with Barbie and then Oppenheimer, because then I think I really would have spiraled and just been like, oh, everything is the worst. Yeah. Even though they both, you know, talk about kind of big, heavy subjects. Ultimately, Barbie is packaged differently so that I'm still thinking about, you know, the themes and stuff, but I'm not just like, um, (laughs) well, if uh, our listeners would rather read a book on this subject, uh, it's based on a biography of Oppenheimer, which I think is called American Prometheus. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can check that out. I'll go in a different direction. I'm going to talk about a book called Vampire Weekend, a novel by Mike Chen. Louise Chow has a crummy job as a night janitor at a hospital. She wants to be in a band, but auditions keep going wrong. She lives a hermit-like existence with her corgi who short sheds like crazy. But there's one thing. Louise may look like she's in her 20s, but she's actually in her 60s, a vampire. Don't tune me out. Just because I'm talking about vampires here, stay with me and you'll understand why. Uh, <laughs> exception of an extreme sensitivity to sunlight, 
None of the vampire myths that you see in like Anne Rice books or the movies apply to Louise. She's anything but glamorous and powerful. Uh, she has the hospital jobs, for, for instance, so she can steal yeah. bags of blood that are about to expire so she can feed herself. Her life is lonely and boring. Then one evening, an older man and his grandson, a teenager, show up on her doorstep looking for a relative. The boy is going through something traumatic, and Louise very, very reluctantly befriends him, taking him to his first rock show, teaching him about good rock bands, and showing him things on the guitar. You may have tuned out when I said Vampire Weekend was about a vampire. Please don't. This well-written novel uses Louise to explore the idea of family from its frustrations and heartaches to why we all need it. It's also about what it means to live rather than just survive. And uh, the reason I love this book, it's a love letter to music. The author perfectly captures what it's like to listen to your favorite record, to feel the bass and the drums thumping against your chest at a live show, or to play an instrument in front of a few Mostly disinterested customers in a crappy bar. Had that experience, trust me. Uh, <laughs> so reading this book, I was transported back to all of those experiences and really reminded of why I care so much about music. It, the title of this book, in fact, is a reference, even though it is about a weekend that the teenager spends with Louise, who's a vampire. Yeah. Our weekend's also the name of a band. Little little cute thing there, Mike. I know. We've talked about how you don't really like them that much. <laughs> I don't like them, but <laughs> I, I appreciate it that Mike Chen does, apparently. So he doesn't mention <laughs> them in the book though. He doesn't mention them in the book because Louise is kind yeah. of a punk rocker, so I don't think they would fit into her into her style. Okay. But anyway. No, they're kind of they're more like preppy rock. Preppy emo, kind of, right? Preppy No. Well, they're preppy. They're preppy. They're preppy. Very upbeat, you know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously I'm not like this, but I, I, when I picture people that I think that I would encounter at a Vampire Weekend show, um, it is very much like dudes wearing boat shoes and, <laughs> you know, um, Polo shirts. tugging. <laughs> polo shirts but also like chugging beer they probably also really like dave matthews band um which is not it's not a dig at dave matthews band it's just like a very specific person <laughs> so and i've never been to a vampire weekend show so i might be wrong but that's just what happens in my head that's really funny i'll have to put that on the the read yeah. list dad that sounds great now that we've alienated vampire weekend and dave matthews band fans uh so yeah, yeah. that vampire weekend by mike chen so, Kate, what else you got? Okay, so um, just to finish up, I can talk about a book that I read called Bloodroot by Amy Green, and that's green with three E's. Bloodroot is a story that it kind of does the same thing as Oppenheimer, where it jumps back and forth a little bit in time to tell the story of a family across several generations. This family is mostly based on Bloodroot Mountain, which is a mountain in Tennessee. I did not look up if it is fictional or not. I'll read you the Amazon description. A dark and riveting story of the legacies of magic and madness, faith and secrets, passion and loss that haunt one family across the generations. Um, so it's about mostly about Myra Lamb, who is a girl with, she grows up on remote Bloodroot blood Mountain, excuse me. Her grandmother, her grandparents raise her. She has, quote unquote, the touch. She she has she's away with animals, 
people are also kind of freaked out by her, but very entranced by her. Mm. It kind of, and all of the, the women before her kind of, maybe not in the exact same way, but in other ways have some form of quote unquote, the touch. So I picked it up because I was like, Ooh, magic. And it's not really about magic at all. It's mostly about the Myra's relationships with her family, with the the man that kind of the man that she falls in love with that kind of lures her off the mountain and then how things kind of go horribly wrong from there. The setting really, really, because it's based in Tennessee, rural Tennessee, it really reminded me dad of where you grew up in West Virginia. And so there's there there's like dialect in the book and just the the way that the place is described that really, really reminded me of of West Virginia, which I really liked. It is, it's kind of a bummer, (laughs) but it was a very good read. I don't want to give away all of the stuff that happens because there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff, sad stuff, traumatic stuff that happens, but I couldn't stop reading it. I would say you might have to be in a specific mindset to read it, but I think that you would like it if you do. And that's Bloodroot by Amy Green. Bloodroot by Amy Green. Okay. All right. I think that's all for me. Kate, What? Uh, where can people find us? People can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Papaholics Podcast. On, are, we, are we still on? It's not even Twitter anymore, Dad. It's X. X. On I think that. of a great punk band with uh, Exine Serbanka and John Doe whenever I hear the, the thing X. But anyway, go on. So on X at Papaholics. Um, and then please, if you have any streaming, watching, uh, listening, reading, recommendations, please send us an email to papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Kate's giggling because resident kid expert is doing weird things in the back. He's like, he's like kind of slowly creeping into the game <laughs> and doing a little dance. <laughs> All right. For Papaholics, <laughs> I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Go out and enjoy pop culture. Bye.